Welcome into episode 73 of the Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams, and I'm joined, as always, by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Christian, how are you? I'm doing good. Sorry if there was a pause there. I was making sure my mic was connected and could not find the unmute button, so that was what good. that two seconds of silence was. Off to a phenomenal Great start. start. Or I could just say it was me just organizing my thoughts. I'd really think about <laughs> how am I doing today? Give an honest yep. answer. I'm doing fine. You know, that's good. Where Bailey's <laughs> got to Bailey's got to be on a plane in nine hours. So and it's like oh five gosh. o'clock, six o'clock. I have so. to be awake in nine hours. You have to be right? awake in nine hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So three thirty, so, wake up. Expect a high energy podcast from Bailey today. I've been all over. The, <clears throat> I've been all over the place the last two days. I'm also like somehow losing my voice or something something's going on so from what i don't know i think i'm just really stressed and like i have this weird thing with my i don't know it's been lots going on so well, your voice sounds really bad so this is gonna be a top tier podcast but let's dive into it it's phenomenal <laughs> um all right well we've got actually more nil talk which i mean it's it's the big my goodness my voice is really bad right now We've got the big, like, it's the big thing going on right now in college football, obviously, is NIL. So it makes sense that we're talking about it twice in three weeks. But it's also like, wow, we're in the middle of May. So that's what that's what we've got to talk about. It's, it's listen, ever since we started this podcast, they're just like, there used to be, if you've been a fan of college football for more than like 12 months, you would know that like, typically college football has like the longest and worst downtime of any sport. There's like a solid seven months of nothing. And ever since we started the podcast last year, we got through the summer with the playoff was going to expand and then it wasn't. And then Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC and there was conference realignment. And now this off season, it's like NIL is crazy and out of control. And that's the big storyline. It's like, there's just been no like, and the transfer portal. So there's been no downtime for college football for like two years running now. I would love it if most of the things causing there not be downtime weren't like existential crises the sport was facing. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's, it's really nice because it's a big change of pace, but I don't think it's the kind of change of pace that we really wanted. Like, it's like, be careful what you wish for, because you want, you want a college football offseason? Here you go. We have it. This is, this is what you have to deal with. <laughs> oh, it's so much. There's so much going on. And like, like almost always, I'm just going to rely on you because there's I've been kind of keeping up with the NIL stuff that like I know we're going to talk a little bit about this, maybe, but they're now taking measures to maybe regulate it retroactively, which is just a whole another mess. Yeah. Let me say right now that's going to go nowhere. So There's no way that like, was the big news from the last week was that the NCAA, like, which I kind of forgot existed. And I think they may have forgotten they existed at the urging of dozens of coaches and administrators were like, we're going to crack down on NIL. And it's, and which to be clear, like it, we talked about this on a couple podcasts ago when, when we brought this topic up is that there's two types of NIL. There's the one UCF's good at, which is the like, endorsement deal type stuff and like kind of what we imagined nil being like player signs deal with local barbecue joint or whatever and then there's the what's essentially pay to play nil which is the collectives coming in even though it's not technically that blah 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 we get it contracts and all that (laughs) which is just boosters come together and say to a recruit here's half a million dollars wink wink you're gonna sign with our team that's not writing anywhere but you know you're getting half a million to do that so that's kind of the divide. And the, the NCAA wants to crack down on the second part. They want to say, you know, boosters can't be involved with uh, players, especially recruits. And the issue is there's no way to regulate that because A, these boosters and coaches and everyone, they're not stupid. Like, it's not like, like, I don't think a booster is ever picking up the phone and being like, hello, recruit X. 
I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text you right now that I'm sending you a check for this amount. I'll send it in Venmo for the whole world to see. It's like they all go through back alleys. It's the same thing with the transfer portal. You don't talk to the player. You talk to the player's high school coach. You talk, you know, and you don't talk. And it's not even the booster. It's the booster's assistant. So the, I don't know how they would ever prove anything. I guess is what I'm getting down to. And even if they did. Which, you know, there's probably a booster out there who was dumb enough to like text a player like, I want to give you half a million dollars. Even if they did, if you penalize them, they're going to sue you because at that point it kind of becomes an antitrust thing. And especially with a lot of these states have, they have exclusive and specific laws that high school players can make NIL money. So how can you possibly say a booster can't contact a high school player when there's a law saying high school players can sign NIL deals. So like they can say they're going to crack down on it, but I literally, I don't see an avenue for them to possibly do so. It's also just insane because there was that like reporter ever that they were going to do it. Like it was going to, they're going to put something in place that was going to work retroactively. where like going back to the beginning of NIL. Like if you, I was like, that does, that opens up its own can of worms and it never made sense. Like logically. Yeah. That makes total sense. It's like, we're passing a new law. And even though this wasn't a law two months ago, if you if you gave players money two months ago, you're now in trouble. Like, how, how, did, how does that possibly make like sense? Like, just the, the manpower and the time and, like, whatever it would take to even investigate that and do that. Like, unless you have someone who's tipped you off every time something potentially weird has happened. But, like, that's that hasn't been the case because there's been no rules against it. There's been but like I said, even even if even if the NCAA can prove it and be like, look, we have this evidence that this booster gave this player money and talked to him and whatever, it's they still really technically didn't do anything wrong by the actual laws of the country. Yeah. And if you try to penalize them for it, they're just going to sue you. So, and I'm not sitting here <laughs> being like, I love that all the schools are just paying for players now because, and to me, it's like a separate issue where it's like it's not like I'm upset players are getting money because I'm not. There yeah. is that on Twitter. There's like the older folks you can tell who are like, you know, in my day they did it for the love of the game. And- <laughs> You know, and now they're getting paid. The it's like I know, bills. like how true, how truly horrible that you know someone's being paid for you know their services. Like that never happens. I mean, like yeah, like yeah. me, I do my job for free. I, are you guys not the same? <laughs> are you guys getting paychecks? But it's more the like the pit situation from the last couple weeks. If you've been keeping up with that, they're Belitnikov winning wide receiver who clearly there was tampering involved. And now he's in the portal. He's going to end up somewhere else. It's like eighty percent of college football becoming sort of feeder schools for the rich twenty percent. That's bad. And they need to figure that out. And I think the easier way to figure that out is not clamp down on NIL, but clamp down on tampering. Like, I don't think it's, and it's still hard to prove, but like, I don't think it's good that like schools are just, there's been Gus Malzahn in an interview with the Sentinel basically confirmed that a school was trying to, was tampering and trying to poach UCF players. And if you've seen the the rumors, you can more or less figure out who it was. And very ironic since that's a team whose fan base always claims that UCF has no talent. But I don't know. I just, I don't see how any of this gets regulated. So all that's really left is how does UCF fit into the ecosystem? Because bad or good, it's just not, it's just not going to change anytime soon. Right. And we talked a couple weeks ago about how they fit into the first part of it really well. And they've always been very progressive. And we'll talk more about that later because Gus had that interview with the Sentinel and did, you know, have this quote that just like, man, he just gets it, but we'll get, we'll get there. UCF now is looking, well, I mean, I guess it's weird to say like UCF is trying to fit into the second part. Like, a UCF fans, UCF boosters, boosters are trying to, get, trying to get UCF to fit into that second part of the NIL with a with a, a collective launching uh, called the Kingdom NIL. Really creative name. Yeah. Put I, a lot of work into that I one. Mean, I don't know. I feel like it might have been one of those things where like we need to get this off the ground now. Let's just what what can we name it? I don't think the Kingdom. name matters. I believe Texas AMs is just called the fund. Like it, it doesn't really matter what it's called. I actually but, like that better yeah. than the kingdom. <laughs> um, the fund. Yeah. So the, 
if you want if you want to be a member membership donations start at twelve thousand dollars just in case any of you have that lying around in your couch um join go ahead and join i think my first reaction to you like i when i when you sent me this was like good like ucf needs this to be fitting in with this landscape and the way college football is changing but it also i was kind of just like okay if you can come up with this money now like where was this money when ucf was like needing it for facilities and stuff and like it's just now you're gonna now you're donating now you have all this money you can come up with like what especially they said that they already have a million dollars pledged which pledged and have is not the same thing to be fair but that's still a lot of money either way yeah Um, that's a whole easy river probably (laughs) it's just it's just funny because ucf for so long has been like we need to build up these facilities we need this money for you know we need this money for the aac exit fee we need this money for phase one of the football campus or whatever the athletics village all that stuff and now it's like oh we we found this money pretty quickly (laughs) well i think that it's i think this is more speaking as someone who's not rich i think for rich people in a lot of ways in a lot of ways this is more fun and more actionable because when a school asks you for money a, a you're not always directing exactly where it's going to you know, like it's just general fun, whatever. And even if you are, like if, if, if I was a billionaire and I was like, I really, really want the lazy river to be rea- reality. I'd like to fully fund the lazy river, which I believe it is fully funded. It's like, okay. And then three to four years later, you will see a version of what you funded out there. And this is like a booster is like, I really like our coach really likes that running back. I'm going to give him $300,000 and he's going to be on the field next year. Like, it's just, it seems more like, I'm just like spitballing. I don't know if that's the mindset, but I do think it just like, it also like boosters love being controlled. Donors love being controlled. It's a bit of an ego thing. And and this gives them roster control, which is not something they've ever had before. Well, it's an interesting thing on two fronts because it feels like it almost is actionable in some ways where like, if, if they had donated this money to the facilities upgrades, like, they're looking to, you know, revamp the club sections or add new club sections to the stadium. And like, obviously who's going to be in the club sections, the rich people, the donors. So like, in a way like that would have benefited them, like almost more directly than seeing the a running back on the field. But yeah, that, that whole idea of roster control, it probably is like a little bit of a power trip for rich people. I'm just slamming rich people right now. Um, but it's also, it's a dangerous game to play because, you know, you've seen this in the SEC for years. I mean, coaches, I mean, all the back back alleys and under the table money, the boosters control the programs there. And I don't want you, we've talked about that in the past. We don't want UCF to turn into that, but is it just going to be a thing where like that is how it is everywhere eventually? But that right there is the double-edged sword because, you know, boosters have always like, especially at some SEC schools, that's why Gus Malzahn is UCF's coach because the boosters had more power at Auburn than the AD did. And that's what happens when fans are in control. And this gives them more power than ever, because like I said, it's actual roster control. And it's funny. There was an athletic article that said that there have been cases of like, a, you know, a coach finds out that their school's affil- not affiliated. They're not affiliated, but the collective at their school it signed a deal for like $80,000 with a player. And they're like, we didn't, that player wasn't a take for us. Like we, we weren't going to take him. And it's, and so it's already becoming like, the power balance is even more messed up than ever. And, but I, I want to go back to something you said about, you know, facilities and all that, but you look at college football and the way college football has worked since the facilities armory started, which was in like the late nineties, mostly it like the whole point of facilities was it was supposed to like show the wealth of your program and get players into your school. You know, does that matter in the NIL era? Like NFL teams don't have nice facilities because it doesn't matter. Cause I had, getting paid. I had that thought where it's like, it's almost what's more important now is yeah. Like the kids want money, you know, I, I think sure. They probably want a good experience and 
you know, some of these, you know, the power programs are always already going to have these facilities and these, you know, state of the art rooms. Yeah, but they're like constantly that. upgrading them like every yeah. year, you know? It is interesting. It's, it's, I'm curious to know. I mean, I guess if you ask any recruit, you're like, yeah, I want, want the money. Like, <laughs> take, I mean, I guess it. that's the thing, right? Like if there's, if school A is like, look at our tricked out locker room where like you're the seat at your locker, like folds down into a bed and there's like a PlayStation and all this stuff where it's like, well, here's $20,000. I feel like 99% of players are going to be like, I'll take the $20,000 and yeah, like, just a, an old wooden locker room. <laughs> like what a, weird, what a weird shift because it's tectonic to be honest, because facilities yeah, I mean, has been everything. <laughs> yeah. And like the money's great. And I can't sit, sit here and say that I wouldn't choose the money, but like, say you choose that money and the facilities suck. Like you're, you're getting the money. That's cool. But like, you're having to go to these places every day. Like this is where you're spending, I don't know, three to four years of your life. And I guess if you don't care, you don't care. But part of me is like, I don't want to, you know. Okay. But NFL facilities are not that good. Like SEC facilities. No, they're not. They're not bad. Like they're not bad by any means. But if you compare the average NFL team's facilities to the average SEC team's facilities, there's no comparison. I guess I haven't looked like I haven't looked across the league to know that much. Like my only experience is I've been in the Bucks facility and stuff. And the Bucks and, have some of the nicest facilities in the league. Yeah, so it's like, very nice. So I'm but like, even then, they're still not as nice as LSU's or Alabama's. They're not. And, and that's, yeah, it's the thing is it it didn't it didn't you know, they don't have to be. You know, it's well that's they exact- need they need you know facilities that are functional and that that they can you know do their jobs. But do you think it. a single NFL player? has ever been like i signed with this team over this team because of their facilities even though this team was offering more money i don't think that's ever happened so and listen we're talking in abstracts because like it's not like like the nil stuff in some ways even though it's very crazy right now and insane is getting a little overblown like every single recruit is not signing for all this money like i still i I think at minimum like 80 percent plus of recruits are going to schools with zero dollars to their name i mean it's like it's right. the five stars are all getting paid some of the four stars are getting paid a three star once in a blue moon is getting paid if a school really like likes them so like so maybe the facility stuff still does matter but i think if you're gus malzahn and you can decide or and terry mahadra and you can decide right now that we can get someone's going to give us five million dollars which is a ton of money to like do all the football stadium upgrades we want and get the coaches offices in there or they're going to get five million dollars and buy us a five star like i don't know which one of those you want more I don't know. It's weird because you, it's, it's so weird because you think like, yeah, you, you want the facilities money because that's longer term. You're, you know, you're buying this player for, if he's a five-star and he's going to go to the league, he's going to be there for two or three years. Well, I guess he has to be there for three years. Right. Yep. But you know, that's, that's a, a good short-term investment. You're probably going to, you're maybe going to win a lot of games, I guess, because it's, it's football. I mean, you have one really good player. I mean, if it's a quarterback like, that changes things, but you, know, you still need a, a solid roster. All right, let me change it. So it's $5 million. So instead of bu- that buying you one five-star, you you buy like three really, like one five-star and a couple of good four-stars. Even if it's just the one five-star, I think, yeah. like think of it from a coach's perspective. Cause yeah, you're talking about short-term versus long-term. And I think that has a lot of merit. But if you're a coach, you might be like, depending on how I do on the field, I might not even be here That's when fair, these yeah. facilities are completed. And so if I get the five-star, I can have a good season now and get my new contract and then go buy my second home on a lake somewhere. It is. It's probably different between the coach and what the coach would want and what the AD would want. Then probably. I think it's very different. And I honestly, the AD, it's like it's just different. it's a case by case thing, I guess. Because like if it's it's an AD thing, like yeah, no, I think it's because it, even for ADs that maybe aren't going to spend the rest of their careers at that school they're at now, like they still want that to happen so they can have on resume, hey, look, like when I was at this school, we did all this. 
Like we did all this, these facility upgrades. I get stuff done, blah, blah, blah. So 80s, I mean, I it's think a little it's, different than coaches, yeah. you know, cause it's not like, it's not like, like when Frost was knew he was leaving UCF, like he sort of knew in the back of his mind, like this recruiting class we're working on, like I'm very likely not going to be here for this, but like yeah. AD it's like everything. It, there's no like year to year stuff. Like everything that you're working on and planning is like multi-year projects. So you just think in different terms. You're not like, I don't care about this because I'm not going to be here, but I think it's just going to be determined at the top. Like if Alabama keeps upgrading their facilities and prioritizing that, I think other schools are going to continue to prioritize that. But if Alabama just decides like, you know, maybe we can take down the giant backlit logo from the ceiling of our locker room and put that money into a good like D lineman, like other schools might take note of that. If they already have it, why would they have to take it down? I don't know. I'm just making the, the electricity, example. like the, the money they're putting when the it breaks, to light it up. When it breaks, because they're celebrating with their national championships <laughs> and the player throws the trophy into it and it shatters. And they're like, we got to replace that. And they're like, or we could replace oh. the D lineman. Like, you know. You see, it's this is a completely ridiculous tangent, but like the idea of a player throwing the trophy and breaking the black, it, it would have been so much more likely when the trophy was better, when it was the little crystal, <laughs> when it was the crystal football. Like, I can no, because the new one has some weight on it. Like, if you hoist <laughs> yeah. that thing up there, that thing, yeah, the crystal ball would have just shattered against the light. That's an Alabama level light. It would have been fine. <laughs> the crystal ball would have been, been like even dust. Because you would see all the crystals falling from like the ceiling. That'd be awesome. It'd be like that baseball movie where all the sparks fly out of the, the <laughs> light. That baseball movie and or any UCF baseball game now since they've done that twice in like the last month. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. And so a couple things on UCF's collective in particular. So we said the donation started 12,000. They got a million dollars rate or a million dollars pledged already. The other thing I found interesting to sit on their website was that they are only doing one year contracts with players, yes. which that's a departure from what other collectives are doing. The most famous one we've still seen was the $8 million for a quarterback over four years, which wink, wink was Nico Iamaliava to Tennessee. And we've seen a lot of contracts that are multi-years. So I find it really interesting that UCF's collective is going year contracts. And I almost wonder if that's insurance against themselves. That's what I was wondering if it's like a protection thing. Because we talked about it in a past podcast, like what happens when you guarantee five million bucks to a player and then he transfers. I mean, it's not yeah. in some of these contracts. Some of them have continued because it can't be pay for play. It's not an inducement to go to a school. So these contracts right. have to be really creative to get out of money if a player leaves. So I saw some of the ways that some have gotten around it is so how this works since it's not pay for play. I don't know if this is exactly how UCF is set up, but typically it is we give you this money in exchange for your NIL rights. We now own your NIL rights. And that means that we can say, hey, Friday night, we need you at this nightclub doing something. And then the nightclub pays us and not you because you got the contract. So that's the way it typically works. Please so, don't send players to nightclubs. Well, I don't know why night, uh, <laughs> four rivers, who cares? Send them wherever you want. You're, you're boosters, you have bad ideas. But, True. and the idea there is that like, okay, so if a player transfers, then we can say, hey, well, we still need you at Friday at the nightclub in the city you just left. So if you don't do that, you're in breach of the contract and we can void it. So that's the way some have gotten around it. Some of them are just flat out. Like we gave you a check that sucks for us. So yeah. I do wonder if it's insurance for UCF of like, Hey, everyone's transferring right now. Like the transfer portals become the big thing. I also wonder, and this is the darker side of it. And I'm not like, I don't know anything about this at all. I couldn't even tell you a single person who's behind this collective. It's whatever, but like, What's I almost feel like it's also insurance if you pay a player a lot of money to come to your school and then it turns out he's not particularly good. That's fair. And then yeah. you no longer have money invested in him. I mean, yeah, hey, there's a dark there's a dark side of it, but also I think it makes sense. Like, let I me mean, leave it to UCF boosters for being smart and playing this the smart way. Because... I mean, it makes sense and it doesn't though because what happens when you bring in a four star on like I don't even know you you only guarantee him fifty thousand over a year. 
and you get yeah. it because it's fifty thousand dollars, a good amount of money. And then he pops off and is all Big Twelve, and then he's like, "Hey, I might be out the door if you don't up this." And then you're like, "Well, too bad we didn't lock yeah, him up." That's... But again, there's no locking him up. Like, even, actually, I'm wrong because even if you gave him four years, that's he could still leave. Yeah, like he could still leave. So actually, no, I'm wrong. No, I'll shut up. Yeah, good job, UCF Collective. <laughs> and I think with, with him doing it one year too, like, and I don't know, this is probably way into like the details of it, but like, if you do it into a point where it's like after the transfer deadline, like if that's when you start to give out these deals, you're like, all right, well, like they're going to be here this year. We know they're going to be here for the year. Like, you know, you know, you could give the player a thing and then you could give the player the money and then the transfer deadline hasn't happened. Like, okay, I see an opportunity elsewhere. I'm going to transfer. You just lost your money, even though you have, you've played it smart and limited to a year but they're still gone with your money that you're going to give them for a year. Does so that make sense? Like on, on that tangent, I just want to say that the athletic's been like leading the way on NIL coverage. If you guys don't have an athletic account, you're into college football. I highly recommend it. It's worth every dollar. And one of my favorite things was that Texas A&M's fund was so worried about players burning through their money that they're not paying them any of the money from their contracts until tax day. So that the first, <laughs> so that the first thing they can do is pay taxes on the money so that they don't run it. As, it's not as remind me of that, but so we talk about players leaving the portal for NIL. That's the I think that is the bigger thing that's scaring people right now. I actually feel like people care less about the recruits getting paid and more about the pit situation or situations we've seen everywhere where school X comes in and is like, hey, we'll give you X amount of money to ditch your current school and come here. And then players turn to their current school and say, hey, what are you going to do for me? Like, what exactly. can you give me? They're offering me this. Like, There was another story. I'm just, this is just becoming the athletic regurgitation podcast. There was another <laughs> story where uh, – coach said that one of his players parents came to him and was like hey can you give us three hundred thousand dollars because that's what this other school is offering and he was like okay first off we cannot be legally having this conversation <laughs> like you need to not be talking to me and also what you're not even in the portal like so it's just it's a mess but so we talk about that that's the big issue right now what do you find it interesting that ucf hasn't as far as we know lost players to the portal due to nil um yeah i guess so i mean i don't know how the Weird, only we're still like kind of in the infancy of it where it's like we, ha we haven't seen a ton of cases yet like we've heard cases of like oh this there is are like a lot of students that leave, have... but like well and, you've and heard about going the on ones... behind the scenes but like have a you've, lot of them you've heard about the ones where a dollar figure came out but there have been a lot of transfers oh. this offseason that there was that nil was a motivation of it and i'm not saying that like i'm going based off of what we know i mean dylan gabriel Dylan Gabriel, I definitely think NIL played a role in his decision, but I don't think any school had a contract for him. I think like, it was like the, the other side of NIL where he's like, I can go, you know, expand my brand outside of Orlando. Exactly. And then and, Cam Good was the whole weird situation. We still don't really know what exactly yeah. where he claims that, or he says, I'm not going to claim sounds accusatory. I'm yeah. kind of, <laughs> if what he said is true, I'm on his side about how the, yeah. he, he tweeted briefly about how he said he was injured and it seemed like UCF didn't, oh, whatever. It was an NIL thing. Jalen yeah. Robinson was gone since Dylan left it. He's been visiting school, so no one had an NIL deal for him. Tatum Bethune, that was a coaching issue. So, like, yeah, it, it's, it really has it, all been it's interesting. Just out other factors. That is weird. I wonder why that's the case. And also, the other thing I wonder about, like, we talk, I just sometimes I wonder if the NIL stuff is a little overblown or if UCF's just secretly great at it because, like, all this talk of, oh, now everyone's becoming a feeder school and, and recruits want all this money and transfers just going better programs. UCF has a top 20 transfer class right now. They have a top 25 recruiting class right now. So like, does UCF just have a lot of money or are, are there just, we've, led, we've of, been led to believe they do not. We've been led to believe they do not. <laughs> and, and I kind of believe they don't because there yeah. are a lot of things that I feel like would have happened before 
paying for top 25 classes. So I, I, is it just, or is Gus just a really good recruiter? Do the, that's the other thing too, that I feel like I want to say about NIL. I'm just going all over the place now is, is, you know, I, I obviously player money is now becoming a factor in recruiting and in transfers, but I think people who believe that it's like the NFL where it's just, you're going to sign a cut. You just pick the biggest bidder. I don't think that's what it is because no. it's not life-changing money. Like it is in the NFL for 99% of these guys. I still think coaching relationship is King. I still think playing for a national championship matters. And I still think above all, they want to go to a school that's going to put them in the NFL. I still think that a play, because unless you're getting offered $8 million, which like one guy has been, it's like the money you're getting is great, but it's still nothing compared to a single contract from the NFL. It's not going to set you up for life. Not even close to it. You're you're going to make, you would make more like spending a few months on a practice squad than you would from 90% (laughs) of these NIL deals. So I think that play, I think the money has become a factor, but I don't think it has overridden every other factor to become the only thing players are considering. And I think that's why UCF is still successful because the players love these coaches. This has to be, at least from a relationship standpoint, the best UCF coaching staff in history. It's insane between Gus and T. Will and the assistants. And UCF puts players in in the NFL, not so much this past year, but they have a history of that. They've shown they can do that. And UCF is a fun place to play. So I, 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 you know, it's in a big city. It's near talent that it's like, I just feel like campus is great. I feel like there's factors that we just totally ignore. Like there are factors that matter to kids, but like, like that matter to regular people, like how close I am to my family, like what there is to do in the city. They don't matter as much as the paycheck, but they still matter. That's not completely discarded. So that's kind of why I think UCF is still having their most success ever, even though this era is supposedly entirely about money now or something. That's part of, that's part of what I was kind of getting at earlier is like, if you're a player and you're offered, like, if you're offered life-changing money again, like or like a huge sum of money, obviously that's going to like take you away. But if you're getting offered, I don't even want to throw like money out there, $10,000, $15,000. Is it worth it to take that $15,000 and go somewhere where you're like, you're going to hate your life and your life sucks. Like your, your life as a student athlete, like that's not worth it. You know, no, if you not. go go somewhere that you're going to enjoy and a place like UCF that is going to promote, like if you want to start a brand and you want to start making money, they're going to help you with that. They're, they've got, you know, programs in place to promote you and you're going to enjoy yourself more. It's just it's that. So that's that is the one side of it where it's like the ones that, you know, people talk about the most. And it makes sense why like people are worried about it. But like it's it's these cases that are a little more rare like they're not it's not every player that's happening like, that's the which thing is what like, you said earlier i mean i, w- I would love to know that i just wish this st- i wish it was like nfl and this stuff was all just out there and like because yeah. like i'd love to know how many players from the 2023 recruiting class total are going to sign for more than a million dollars guaranteed money can't be many i it can't be more than like 10 it yeah. can't be more than like 10 and it's what i said on the past podcast top of nil guess who ucf's not getting anyway the top 10 players in the nation so like right. it, from that perspective i don't think a lot changes for ucf and you talk about the money versus the other factors like if i'm so let's say that my genes were dramatically different and i'm a star <laughs> quarterback and i'm like 18 years old and uh, and you know i don't know let's just pick a school let's pick like a pretty solid like penn state penn state is like hey we can set you up with like 20k come on in we're excited you'll have the opportunity to play eventually we put players in the nfl blah 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 and then like Akron is like, hey, we believe that you're going to change the program. So we put together $200,000 for you to come to Akron. Come be a zip. I'm going to Penn State. I'm like, you haven't put a play. You don't put players in the NFL. It's cold. I'm not doing that. Like some player might, but I feel like the majority of players going to be like, there isn't enough money in the world to make me go to Akron. So yeah, again, it's the, it's the immediate money, like $200,000 cool. But like also if you go to Penn State and you're that good of a player, you're uh, to an extent betting on yourself, but if you get put in the NFL, you sign your first contract and boom, 
you have more than what you would have made at Akron. And guess what? Every single Poor three star. <laughs> I pick on them a lot. I've realized they're always like whenever the I have an example on the idiot. I don't know, but it's <laughs> whenever I have an example on the podcast of like a nothing program, I just default to Akron, and I don't know why. But weird. But you talk about if a player is willing to bet on themselves. That's the other thing people have to remember is like basically every middle tier three star and up believes that they are like the coolest person in the world and are destined to go to the NFL. They do. That's just because that's what they've been raised in. And it's like, and they've been, you got to realize like to be a mid-level to high level three-star, you basically have to be like the star or one of the stars of your, of your high school team. So there's no one, there's no, like, I just don't think there are a lot of high school players who are like, I better take this money now because I don't believe in my ability to get to the NFL. I just don't think there's a lot of that. Unless yeah. they're like one of those quarterbacks who's like five seven and will like be amazing in college, but you know, isn't Kyler Murray? Yeah, I mean, there's there's actually a couple guys that the Bucks signed like the most productive, I think like the best numbers of any receiver in college football last year. Forget where he went, but the Bucks signed him as an undrafted free agent. He's five seven, so like, and what's probably, he going to be like on special teams? Like, I mean, I mean, he might not even make the roster. That's the yeah. thing. It's like it, it's always it's always difficult. So there's there's cases like that too. So. And and, and that's why NIL is great. What I used to talk about with this was the example was always Mackenzie Milton. Like actually we'll never know now because like what counts as an NFL quarterback has changed since 2017. Like back then the idea of like an undersized quarterback getting drafted was dumb, but then we have had the Kyler Murray's of the world and whatever. But at the time it was like Mackenzie Milton is a freaking superstar. At that point, he was becoming like a household name to all of college football. And he wasn't going to make a dollar off of playing football. Right. And that made no sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's interesting, like the different kinds of cases, there's so much, it's not as cut and dry as I think either side of like, if you hate it or you love it, it's not as cut and dry as like either side thinks it is. It's, there's a lot of details into it. And then, you know, the, the one thing we can touch on before we leave this topic is um, Gus Malzahn, who we've talked in the past again about how UCF has been very good with that one side of NIL where they're going to promote their players' brands. And he talked, you know, with the Orlando Sentinel, really good interview, go read it. Um, Touched on a variety of topics, but on NIL, he had this quote, and it's kind of a long one, so it's kind of like story time here. Um, But I'll just read it real quick. He said, uh, asked about NIL, he said, it's out of the box, no doubt. This is going to be about adapting. It doesn't matter what I think or what another coach thinks. It'll be the coaches who adapt and the coaches who don't. We're going to be a school and a program that adapts. We've said from day one, we're going to embrace this. We're a young school. You'll see some of the, of the traditional older schools that have an advantage right now because they can raise money quicker. But once everything settles down, this will be a great place to be. Some of the best brands in the world are here. That's A+. plus. A+, plus, no notes, as people have been saying now. Um, you can't say it better. That's the perfect answer to any question. And I think we talked about it earlier. Like we were, Earlier this week, we were like, oh, yeah, we'll do an IL podcast. And then this, this interview came out and I read it, you read it. And I was like, all right, let's not talk about it, you know, until we get on the podcast. But then I was like, this answer, man, like, I was like, this is the answer. And you're like, that's the best, that's the best answer he could have given. And there's so much truth to it. I mean, we've talked about it a couple of podcasts ago with, with this example of Clemson and Dabo, because like Dabo has been very anti-NIL and, you know, coaches like that are not going to survive in this era. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you said it. I mean, Gus just gets it because uh, it, it's like we were talking on this podcast, like you can be anti NIL or whatever, but all you're doing, it's why I was upset a couple weeks ago when Terry Mahajer was kind of like, if you want to say taking shots at the idea of collectives, it's like, it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. You just don't want to be the coach on record saying it sucks. Like 
Gus gets that it's like, you know, this is the way of the world. And he talked about this the transfer portal last year and they're excelling at transfer portal. It's like, I think he just loves what he does and loves being a coach. And there are coaches that think this sucks. And honestly, I'm sure privately Gus is like, wow, this sport was easier when I didn't have to recruit my own roster on top of, you know, the it does, it does make it harder. He talked about roster management and how like with the transfer portal and with NIL, it makes it harder, but. And I don't think we mentioned on the podcast, but they've, we have transfer portal windows now starting next season, which is going to make things a little easier. There's going to be a window after the regular season ends that lasts a few weeks. And then there's going to be a window after spring practice and that's it. You can't transfer. I really like it. I really like that. I don't think it's going to like dramatically change things because those were the points where most players were transferring anyway, but at least, you know, like, and you're still going to have players who realize they want to transfer and they're going to quote unquote red shirt during the season. But like, at least you, there are big swaths of the year where you're like, I don't have to worry about waking up and seeing our wide receivers no longer on our team. Right. You know, and, and, and I think it gives coaches a better chance to identify their needs. I also think it gives players a chance of like, if a player's reactionary, especially a younger player, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a UCF player who might be reactionary who's coming in. Um, they like Quan <laughs> Lee, like, you know, isn't playing like three games in, just like, I'm out of here where now they could just hop in the portal where now instead they have to think about that for three months and might be like, Hey, maybe that wasn't the smartest choice. So I think yeah. that's good, but I just, I've said it before on this podcast and we'll see what happens this season, but like, apparently Gus thinks they're going to the playoff, but UCF got so lucky with Malzahn. He was just the right coach at the right time for the school. And the bigger thing to me, and I hope to God, I'm not wrong on this as a year in a year is he really does seem like he wants to stay long-term and, in the era of coaches just ripping rosters to shreds in the portal, like the whole model that UCF was thriving on the last few years, the whole have a coach for two years and they succeed and leave, that cannot work anymore. It right. cannot work because the coach will succeed, leave, and take your starters. So, or even if he doesn't take them, they will be in the portal. So UCF just got so lucky to get a high caliber coach who wants to stay a long time, who is willing to adapt to whatever college football throws at him. Like, I don't That's- think we're giving enough credit to that. That's the thing. There's that element of it where he's been there and done that. He's been a successful coach in the past. It's not just like he's just some random coach who embraces NIL. Like he, if it's just some young, I mean, good. Yeah. I think coaches, all coaches should, but he's got the pedigree where it's like, he come play for him. He's put guys in the NFL at Auburn. He's done it. uh, He did it a little bit this year. He's going to do it at UCF and he's willing to adapt and help you make money in this new era. And, And he's just completely, yeah. I mean, he's completely embraced all of it. There's there's an extra element of that where it's like you want to come play for that coach. Well, of course. And, and like I said, it with UCF getting lucky, it's like he was fired for like nothing. Like It was like Auburn had been good but his yeah. whole tenure there. They just hadn't been Alabama. And like <laughs> it, it, it's just it was just luck. It was just luck that Hypel happened to leave when Gus was available, because I don't know what you look at some of the other options that UCF interviewed. And it's like they're not their recruiting isn't anything like it is. Their transfer portal isn't anything like it is without. Malzahn. I, I mean, you know, it's like Jeff, Le- if they'd hired Jeff Levy, which I know is what Dylan Gabriel and a lot of fans wanted. It's like la- last year's, I don't know, probably better because I just don't think in a vacuum, the entire roster gets injured in two different realities, but like, <laughs> you know, what's the upside? He, he leaves after one or two good years. Dylan Gabriel goes with him. If he's still here, so do the other skill players. I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's a different world now. So hopefully Malzahn is legit on that. And it's not like UCF goes I don't know, 12 and two this year. And then he's like, wow, the Nebraska job's looking pretty good. But, you know, <laughs> I imagine, I, imagine if, we had, if UCF had another coach be like, Ooh, I bet I could turn around Nebraska. I'd be more impressed that Nebraska was willing to go to the UCF well on back-to-back <laughs> hires, to be honest, than a two UCF coaches were willing to leave. But, oh man. Yeah. yeah but it's so. just, it's cool. I mean, we'll wrap up here, but it's, it's cool. Cause we talked just two weeks ago that UCF is very good at the part where they promote their players and they're willing to embrace that. 
And we were, we were kind of saying, like, they're not the kind of school that is going to be shelling out this much money with these collectives. And here we are two weeks later where they've, they've launched a collective. So, you know, if, if they can get – we'll see what that kind of looks like when, you know, players start to, you know, come here and they, these deals start to get announced, and, and we'll see what that looks like. But for UCF to, you know, potentially be able to be successful on both fronts, you know, it's just – it's the era that college football is in, and it's, it's – equal parts i think exciting and cool but also just terrifying it's there's so much there's so much to it where it's like this could go wrong this could go wrong but everybody's gonna have to adapt 80 billion things have changed at once so it's just it's a lot but you know (laughs) there are coaches who are going to complain and there are coaches who are going to adapt ucf has a coach who's going to adapt that's shown in the recruiting rankings and the transfer portal rankings so works for me (laughs) yeah we gotta love that uh we'll jump into the football news here um this has been almost, I think, over a week now, but UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston are still negotiating no, yeah, negotiating their exit fees with the AAC. I mean, it's it's still it's kind of like no real update, right? I mean, there, was, there wasn't a report out there, but then kind of got debunked, and it was just like they're, so, they're working on it. I got to say, sorry if I'm jumping on your news if this was in there, no, but I mean, it got announced today, or not announced, Terry Mahajer said black and gold banneret, that um, well, I guess that's kind of announcing that UCF is joining the Sun Belt for men's soccer. And I saw, which is great. And I saw more than a few UCF fans reacting. They're like, oh, this means that, you know, stuff's wrapping up. Big 12 stuff is closed. The Big 12 does not sponsor men's soccer. That that yeah, has no, nothing to do with the Big 12. Like that has nothing to do with it. It does not signal anything. This was an entirely separate negotiation that in no way was related to or timed with anything Big 12 related. I still think the Big 12 stuff will be announced soon, but for people to take that as that, like made no sense. They're still yeah. negotiating, well, no. which I also need to say that, you know, uh, Brett McMurphy reported that the exit fee was going to be 17 to 20 million. And then the Orlando Sentinel had a story that that was not accurate. Right. <laughs> so take that so, for what you will. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. But no, you weren't really stepping on my news because that, I mean, I guess it is kind of football news, but it's just a different kind of football. Different kind of I wasn't going to talk about the Sun Belt, but yeah. Um, Sun Belt's great soccer league, guys. It is. It's going to be exciting. A um, little bit, little bit scary, but also exciting. UCS got a good program, so I think it'll be. Uh, They're going to die fun. in that league, but it's going to be fun. Hey, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, preferred walk-on quarterback Davin Widener uh, decommitted from UCF last week and announced his commitment to Ole Miss, which it's unfortunate, but like you can't blame him at all. Like he, he was a preferred walk-on. He's got an opportunity at Ole Miss now, and you, we've, you've said it in the past. We've said it in the past. It made no sense that he was a preferred, preferred walk-on. It made no sense he was here. Like that yeah. <laughs> dude is going to be a star. And like, I was really excited that he, for some reason was going to be a PWO at UCF, but no, it's not surprising that he very quickly got a better offer and he's going to end up starting at Ole Miss in a couple of years. Book it right now. Where, where's the kingdom collective? Where, where was there? Why aren't you paying a scholarship so you can sit behind UCF's three other quarterbacks for a couple of years? Is that not oh, a good use of, is that not a good use of money? I mean, <laughs> I think so. We put everything into our fourth string quarterback. <laughs> allocated a little bit differently. Uh, speaking of fourth string quarterbacks, Selena's going crazy. I was trying to like, you just can't play it off. It's fine. yeah, it is. What it um, is. No, speaking of fourth string quarterbacks, <laughs> Parker Navarro committed to Ohio, which I hope he starts. Oh, whenever UCF quarterback leaves, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't really care about Dylan Gabriel one way or the other, but whenever UCF quarterbacks leaves like Daryl Mack or just any of those guys, I was like, I really want to like watch them play on Saturdays. I want to see like, it would be fun. I would love for him to start at Ohio and do really well. Well, I also I mean, just really liked Navarro. I feel like everybody, yeah. he was just a really likable guy. I mean, and, and let's not forget his most recent moment in a game is still like the self-tackle maneuver. So <laughs> I'd like to see some redemption on that. I looked it up. Ohio's starter is back, but he was right. pretty bad last year and Ohio was really bad. So I, I think, it, I'm, I don't think, you know, I think he, I don't think he would have gone there unless he thought he had a good shot at competing for the job. So. 
Yeah, I mean, just the reality of it, too. He was never going to start at UCF, so. Congrats to him staying FBS level, though. I thought you might get an opportunity. I didn't think he would have FBS, so. If you guys don't know, if I didn't stay on the podcast last year, I am a huge Maction guy. I love (laughs) Maction. Like, the the weeknight college football is my favorite thing in the world. Just get home from work, relax, watch two teams you've barely heard about play in front of 200 (laughs) fans in frigid weather. Like, I'm not joking. I love that. I am so down to see some Parker Navarro on, like, Tuesday night on ESPN News. Like, I can't wait for that. I'm kind of almost the opposite where I'm like, maybe now I'll actually watch Maction. Do you not watch Maction? Like, I just don't really like it's it's I just get burnt out by the end of the weekend, like because of all the stuff I do covering the Bucks and everything. Like Sundays are also all day Saturday is college football, even Fridays too, I guess. Um, and then Sunday, football all day. I'll sometimes watch Monday night football, but like by then I'm kind of like, all right, I need a little bit of a break. And so when we get to Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm like not really doing football stuff. See, that's like, the I'll, thing is I'll, like unless the bears game is on tv i'm just not really watching football on sunday <laughs> since i don't really care about the nfl so yeah I'll i get a nice be... break and then by monday i'm ready for either fun belt or maction yeah i'm also like i'm in the middle of like writing a bunch of stuff about the end i'm just like all right i don't need to watch you know two teams i don't care about but then we get the third like by the time we get the thursday again i'm like i'll watch two teams two random teams on college football but that's, I'm, that's also just one of those... like, I'm like it's the weekend it's about to be the weekend let's get into college football again I am also just one of those freaks though, where like, I'm at least like semi keeping up with all 130 teams. Like, yeah. Like, so like, and you fair. are too, cause I always, I'll like mention a random team and you're like, yeah, like, so, so I don't know. I always, Maybe like, to a little of a lesser extent, but yeah. No, I'm definitely more crazy about it, but like, you'll at least yeah. generally know what I'm talking about. Like when I, like, I don't want to talk about Louisiana last year. You're like, I'm aware they're having a good season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, UCF has a big visit weekend coming up June 3rd through 5th. Um, they've got commits Javante Connor, Caven Call, Dylan Rizik, and Troy Ford Jr. among those visiting, as well as four-star defensive tackle John Walker, uh, four-star cornerback Jakeem Jackson, who's a teammate of Walker's, and a defensive lineman Terry Simmons Jr., who's teammates with Ford, who, of course, is a commit. Big weekend. I mean, I think we'll start to see a little bit more of those. And I believe – I got to say another... – Yeah, go ahead. Bounce House Weekend or whatever Yeah, it was. are they doing another one of those or no? I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, I believe it was John Walker, the four-star uh... – See a defensive tackle? Yeah. And uh, I looked at his 247 profile, and I have a 247 account back from when Jason Beatty was a 247. And he was crystal ball to Ohio State, and it had a VIP scoop, <laughs> and I clicked on it. And the VIP scoop was like, well, he has a list of seven schools, but the only two that have been in it consistently are Ohio State and UCF, so we've crystal balled him to Ohio State. That's insane. And I'm like, that's just flawed logic. I'm not saying UCF's going to get him, but that is Didn't like you also really say that logic. that same person like acknowledged that he wanted to stay in state? That there were thoughts that he might want to stay in state, but the reasoning was Ohio State's not worried because Florida, Miami, and FSU aren't involved. So, yeah, wow. take that for what you will. <laughs> wow. Um, the Hula Bowl will remain at UCF for the next two years, if anyone's excited about that i know you said you'll go next year i was like i don't think I'm... i did not say i'd go next year i thought you'd oh you said if you, if you i said if there was a ucf player in it i'd go and even then it would have to be like a player's gonna play like yeah no offense well, but i don't know if i'd go like if ucf has like an o-lineman in the hula ball i don't know if that's gonna do it for me like i probably need, like, it's just i felt like let down I mean, it was still cool seeing mckenzie milton back on like the field there but just it was kind of a letdown just like he came in and played like i don't know why didn't like, i what, go four or five you were out of town i think Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he played like maybe like, I don't know, four or five series. And like, it was just, I don't know. I'm glad I went, but like at the same time, <laughs> kind of, kind of wasted time. But uh, I probably will not be returning next year. Well, Unless, you know, not, it's uh, funny. Like, well, it'll be coming up and I'll be like, hey, I might come to town for the Hula Bowl. <laughs> while I was not obviously at the game or covering it, I heard some 
hilarious stories from several people who covered the game for how for how what am i trying to say how difficult it was to cover that game yeah i, I mean there's there throwing were, players there were the some there were some great stories there were some great stories it's a lot um a little piece of recruiting news or another piece of recruiting news uh ucf made the top 10 for lake mary four-star cornerback Braden marshall not Brandon Marshall, Braden Marshall. I had to do a double take when I read that. I was like, yeah, I did the same thing. I'm like, again? Um, and some NFL news, um, unfortunate NFL news. Uh, the Jaguars, for some reason, waived kicker Matthew Wright. Um, he was really good last year. He won so them games. The reasoning was that he was not good on kickoffs. And that's the reasoning, apparently. So I don't know so why you can't just find like a puncher or whoever. Yeah to do that because that is way easier to fix than someone like, who's regularly nailing 50 plus yard field goals. Yeah. But I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not known for being a functioning organization. So yeah, it's not exactly a surprise. They made a bad choice they're not. and he'll get picked up. I'm sure. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got to think, I mean, if, if you're a team who doesn't have the greatest place kicker, but you have a punter who takes care of your kickoffs, even like if that's a concern for you with Matthew, Wright, If you have a guy that already does your kickoffs and you need a field goal kicker, why would you not? He was virtually automatic for them last year. He like, I'm actually stunned. 25, 25 for 28, made four kicks from 50 plus. How do you cut that? Like, how do you cut that? I'm just, is there something about the NFL I don't know where field goals don't matter? I mean, what? Wasn't, wasn't putting the ball in the end zone enough on kickoffs. That is just astounding. I, I, I mean, wow. Um, last piece of, of news is, is even more unfortunate. Um, linebacker Terrence Lewis was arrested on Sunday on a domestic battery charge. I know uh, I saw that Gus said that, you know, they're still gathering all the information and they'll respond appropriately when they have all the information, but you know, whatever the case, that's a, that's a terrible situation. Um, game of the week, UCF softball. Um, I think it's a back-to-back game of the week for them. They've, they're in the AAC tournament this weekend in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, they finished the regular season. They won the uh, regular season title in the AAC going 44 and 12 overall 16 and two in the AAC Came down to the final day because Wichita State was just that good. Um, kind of impressive that that series went the way it did and, you know, lined up to be the final series of the regular season for it to be for the, the regular season in a number one seed. Um, so UCF softball gets a bye to the semifinals in the tournament. So they're two wins away from winning the conference title. Uh, they'll play the winner of number four Houston, or number four seed Houston and number five seed Tulsa in the semifinal on Friday at 1 p.m. If they win that, they'll play in Saturday's final at 11 a.m. So they really, really have had a stupid it's, good season. It's one, it's one of those things where it was like with, with women's basketball, the same thing. We were like, all right, they won the regular season. They're going to get into the tournament anyway. But like, come on, you got to win. You got to win. Well, the I saw first. Eric Lopez tweeted earlier that since LSU lost, that opens things up for them to probably host a regional, which That's I just, huge. I defer to Eric Lopez because he's yeah. like the softball <laughs> guru. So that would be very exciting. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you definitely make a, a very big case for yourself. I mean, right now, like if you look at the rankings, they're 16th in RPI. Extra inning softball has them as number 11. Softball America, D1 softball, and ESPN slash USA softball, they all have them at number 17. And then USA Today slash NFCA has them at number 21, still holding them in the 20s for some reason. Um, but if, if they, they host, you should come to Orlando. We should go to that. Oh, that would be fun. I wonder when that's going to be. I'll look at the, I'll look at the schedule after this. We'll see if it works. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, we'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, huge weekend ahead. And I think you make a really good case for yourself if you go out and win your conference title, uh, conference tournament, and you're you're already ranked that high. So We've basically, barely lost for months now in a sport where regular <laughs> losses are expected. So that's yeah, yep. that's huge. Um, all right, tweet of the week. 
Tweet of the week. We got a lot to get through, guys. Um, oh, UCF boy. and USF fans uh, getting referenced in Tweet of the Week this week. So let's start off with USF because they're dumber. Um, <laughs> so uh, USF got a really randomly big transfer commitment this past week from, uh, I don't know if it's Jerry or Gary Bohannon, I don't know how you pronounce his first name, who was Baylor's starting quarterback this past year. If you guys did not know, Baylor was quite good. They won the Big 12 and then the Sugar Bowl, I believe, and finished in the top five. And he just, there was a younger guy who, everyone kind of knew was next up and he got beat out. And because Dave Aranda is a stand-up act, unlike USF, he I love him. named a starting quarterback at the end of spring ball, which is like something that no school would dare do, including UCF, because then the other will transfer. That's what happened. Bohannon, for some reason, took his talents to not South Florida, but Tampa. And that's a thing now. So I don't like that. I know you most UCF fans don't care. I don't think it like dramatically changes anything, but I was tweeting through it as I do. And I tweeted, it's not like the addition of Bohannon leaps USF from a two and 10 team to anything close to on par with UCF but I will be eternally pissed off if they, if they manage to win the final war on I-4 somehow. So I expected to piss off UCF fans of that tweet. And a couple of you were like, Christian, it's impossible. And I get that. <laughs> I didn't expect USF fans. So I didn't realize that the war on I-4 game this year, where UCF only won by three at home as they limped into that game, missing like multiple starters, including, you know, obviously their starting quarterback. Uh, Bowser wasn't held. Did Bowser even play in that game? He didn't play, you know, just really. No, I don't think he did. And it was UCF's worst performance of the year, to be honest, because they were just going through it at that point. And USF, you know, stayed close, still lost. I didn't realize that USF fans took that game to signify that UCF and USF are the same level of talent as programs. USF, who just went two and 10, and UCF, who just went nine and four, was the best team in the state and beat Florida in the bowl game. So I didn't realize that. So we got a couple ones here. We've got, I'm not going to say his username because it's a curse word. (laughs) <laughs> um, we've got Rocky, the, whatever Rocky, the BSer. you've seen him around. I don't know. That dude is kind of weird, but so he quote tweeted me and said, when I said that, he said, they went at home by a yard, dot, 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 tweeting this reeks of butthurt, butthurt that UCF won. Yes. Christian, obviously I'm upset that UCF won the game. I, I like, I, I just, I don't understand. And then my clearly fav- upset. My favorite one, which was from that state of the USF account replied to me and said, USF is now likely number one in returning production when you add Jerry. And if the gap was greater, shouldn't UCF have soundly defeated USF last year? How is it returning production? If you added him, are you like, these fans it are stupid enough that they think that sense. they think that returning production is when you add players, it's returning production. He's not returning. He's returning to college football with the production that he had last year at Baylor. <laughs> this dude went on a whole tangent. Also, I've told this podcast before. So USF is fourth in returning production, which is just ahead of UMass and just behind Bowling Green. So astounding group. And I'm really sick of like fan bases thinking returning production is good when that production is bad at football. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. I get that returning production is a metric for success. Not when your team is bad at football. You're just returning players who can't play. Like, I, why do you think that you're going to be magically better because all the players that suck last year are back to suck another year? Like, what? I, I don't get that. There's an element of like, oh, well, like with a year of experience, they'll be better next year. Sure. Yeah, like but Timmy like, McLean, who they're now benching. Yeah. For another quarterback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, now I'm done with USF. I got to get over to, I actually feel bad. I don't usually like insult players. And I say actually, USF players suck. They have obviously don't suck. They're division one football players. So but, I was at yeah. USF for the baseball game on Saturday and shout out to them for the, what it was like the hour weather delay when it was completely sunny outside in perfect sunlight. Super love that. I have a picture of like the tarp on the field and it's just sunny. It's great. So tweet week part two, we got to get into it. We, we're going UCF fans now. So Gus Malzahn gave an interview to Wesh, and uh, as part of it, he said that you saw what Cincinnati did last year 
They were right on the doorstep. That's our goal this year. And you talk about how UCF could be a playoff team this year. And I don't know exactly like who he is that, uh, that RBJ guy on Twitter who I follow him. He's pretty good follow who like is always in the Twitter spaces. I think he's a student right now. Yeah. He tweeted coach. I love you, bro, but chill out on the playoff talk. We aren't at that stage yet. And I know what you're thinking listeners. You're like, Oh, you're here to make fun of him. No, no. I'm here to make fun of you. This man got ratioed so hard by all of you. By Quan Lee. <laughs> by Quan Lee. And some of you were like incredibly mean that he would suggest that UCF is probably not a playoff team this year. And I just thought my favorite was someone replied to him. This is a bad take and one I think you should delete. No one expects you to be a homer, but we also don't expect you to crap on coaches enthusiasm for the upcoming season. It's even worse when players ask you why not you don't respond lost a lot of credibility with me. <laughs> Like, I just, are we the fan base now? Well, whoever whoever tweeted that, please, like, just log off for a little bit and kind of just take a step back. Take a step back. Someone lost the credibility with May you guys. for that. I, I just, first off, A, it was probably unwise for Malzahn to say that, if we're being totally honest. And there's certainly a reason he said it in May. He will not be saying that in August. I'll bet you, you ask him the exact same question in August, he will not be saying the same thing. It's a great thing to say for May. Second, you are delusional if you think UCF is a playoff team this year. It's great for Gus to say it, to hype up the fan base. You are insane. Like, what is it? Like, and like, what is it with UCF fans? Like, oh, Cincinnati made it last year. So now group of five teams just make it. Three of the power five champions had two losses and were ineligible. They still put a team that did not win its conference in over Cincinnati. And the only reason Cincinnati made it is because 11 and one Notre Dame was right there. And the one loss was to Cincinnati. It took a billion things in perfect alignment for Cincinnati to make it. And on top of that, are we the fan base now that if someone says, I don't think a UCF fan says, I don't think UCF can make the playoff, you attack him until he deletes the tweet? That's <laughs> you the insane? fan base we are now? Are you insane? I just, I don't know what is up with this fan base. Like, I, I just, because I'm so ready for another, like, I can, I can already tell you what 2022 is going to be. UCF is going to go 10 and 2. They'll drop, I don't know, they'll drop Louisville and they'll drop SMU. They'll win the AAC. They'll go to the Gasparilla Bowl and beat FSU this time and go 12 and 2. And you all be throwing a goddamn fit because they weren't in the playoff. That, that's what's going to happen, isn't it? That's going to be 2022. You see, it's going to be 12 and two, probably a top 15 team. And you're going to be throwing a fit because they weren't in like the sugar bowl losing to Alabama by 30. So that that's great guys. I, I just a plus job as usual. You guys are just so great in the off season. It's really fantastic. Keep it up. I thought you said in the off season as if like, they're not also awful in the regular well, season. But this was like, Oh, they're awful in the regular season, but this was such a specially dumb thing to become that big of a deal. And also the people who are like, even players, like, of course it was, it was Quan Lee who was like, why not? And people are like, wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> You've like shamed Quan Lee. I just, oh, man. oh my God. I don't even know what to do with you guys. Sometimes I love you all, but also stop. I just... love how, I love how we've just gone into this and then, we're going to go into our, like our little outro here in a second. And um, I'm going to, we're going to ask something of you guys. <laughs> so I okay, will just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and for listening to Christian rant at you. I mean, that's what you guys love anyway. Um, it's kind of a weird thing on y'all's part anyway. Like you just love to listen to Christian yell at you. Um, but we'll be back next week with episode 74 and for episode 74, we're going to want some participation from our listeners. Um, so be on the lookout on Twitter toward the end of the weekend. Christian will tweet something out. I'll retweet it, but y'all follow Christian more than you follow me anyway. Um, you know, Christian's just that guy in UCF Twitter. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Please participate. Please, uh, please help us out. It'll be a lot of fun, we think. And, um, you know, I think you guys will like it. But uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter and, and look for those tweets on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.